Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Joining us for a conversation is Andy Sheckman, the president of Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments. Mr. Sheckman, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Maurice. Always good to hear your voice. Good to be back, and thanks for having me. Let's begin today's discussion with gold, which has recently surpassed its all-time high since we last spoke. But this is no surprise. You know, you forewarned us this would come to pass in our previous discussion back in December 2019 regarding the Bank of International Settlements and Basel III and its impact on gold. For those that missed that conversation, can you please shed some light on the importance of Basel III? Yeah, it's the most significant event of my career, and really... If people were to take a broad look at this and and understand what it really means, quite frankly, I don't think you need to know anything else. Everything else that we see is just noise. Um, since 1944, there's only been one tier one asset, and that has been United States Treasuries or fully funded dollar deposits. Um, gold was considered a tier three asset where only 50% of its value was uh, allowed to be calculated on a balance sheet. Therefore, there would be four reasons that central banks would be de-incentivized de to own gold. Uh, it wouldn't pay interest, cost money to store. It was unpredictable in its movements, but the tier three status meant that a 50% denigration on the balance sheet would limit a central bank's ability to sell bonds or transact international business. So, uh, really, the the only purest form of collateral, and by the way, if your listeners were to Google Tier 1 asset, it's listed as a riskless asset. So the Bank of International Settlements, which is the central banker's central bank in Basel, Switzerland, reclassified gold April of 2019 as the only other Tier 1 asset in the world next to U.S. dollars and treasuries. So since 1944, there's only been the dollar and the treasury bill that would give a tier one status for central bank and commercial bank collateral. Um, now, with gold brought up to that table, it's important to know that note that the central banks of the world front ran this decision. In 2018, they bought more gold cumulatively as a group than they did in the 60 years previously. And in 2019, those numbers were up 90% and continue unabated higher now. And uh, so you're seeing the most sophisticated, well-funded, well-informed traders on the globe accumulate what they call a riskless asset um, and have been front-running that decision, of course, now um, for over three years. So I think it's, it's only a matter of time before gold goes higher than anyone thinks possible. And they'll continue to let it move up at this uh, methodical pace um, with volatility uh, inside of it to keep people from really making a committed move to it. And before long, they'll look at it and say, geez, we really missed the boat. We waited too long. And, and I don't think that's the case right now. But I think that will be begin to be um, conventional wisdom for most people. They will have thought that uh, they missed the boat. I think it's going multiples higher where it is now. You know, it takes me back to a couple months ago, March and April, where 
people sat on the sidelines and now they're calling me now and saying, I missed the boat. <laughs> and we hope that uh, that narrative now changes and they become proactive. Uh, you know, speaking of central banks, and let's take the conversation now home to the United States. What are your thoughts on the Federal Reserve's unprecedented fiscal policy and what type of impact is this going to have on precious metals short term and then the bigger picture long term? Well, you're, you're going to see inflation. And, you know, what they're trying to do is stave off global deflation. Um, the deflating of all of the, the assets and the bad loans and um, uh, deflation is bearing down on, on the globe. And the Fed is doing all they can to fight it with the printing press. And um, the inflationary forces will have ramifications. You know, if you look at when we talk about inflation in 2008 with all the money thrown at the system it went to the wall street banks and that that money was holed up in financial assets uh and so stocks bonds and to a to a maybe a slightly lesser degree real estate but financial assets were inflated and they were able to reflate the bubble uh of 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 those assets and uh this time around however uh, you've seen trillions of dollars be poured into the real economy through the PPP and the CARES Act and uh, the $1,200 check to people making under 400 grand and all of this stuff that has impacted M1 and M2, the money supply. You will see, beginning to see, I think, um, the inflationary effects of the Fed pumping money into the system, not just to the banks continuing to inflate financial assets, all of the Dow Jones at all-time high, et cetera, uh, with 50 million people unemployed, uh, you know, completely detached from reality. Um, but you're also going to begin to see, I think, real price inflation uh, in, the in, in the real economy because, you know, on top of all the money that's been thrown into the, into the M1 and M2, which is inflationary already, uh, remember, Maurice, it took 300 years to create $800 billion in, in wealth in this country. And in the span of 10 months, the Fed's created, what, seven, eight, nine trillion dollars a good portion of which has already been sent directly to people in the, in the form of subsidy checks. Um, and, um, you know, now you have a situation where even people who have ridden this bull market back up this illusionary recovery created courtesy of the Federal Reserve's policies. I think they're beginning to sense that, Jesus, this is, just doesn't make sense that the market continues to roar higher, defy gravity in an environment where so much of the economy is shut down, may never come back. A lot of it won't. And I think people are realizing that. So here's where it gets crazy. When these people pull out of the of the equity market of the stocks and of the bonds where do they go uh that money is going to buy things in the economy anything tangibles real estate uh precious metals art jewelry you name it uh, as inflation really begins to rear its head and money comes out of the equity markets um i think you'll see massive price inflation so, you know, uh, this is just the very beginning. But what the Fed has done, in my opinion, has sowed the seeds for perhaps uh, a hyperstagflation type of scenario where 
you have an environment of little or no economic growth and, and higher taxes, uh, coupled with much higher prices. So any way you look at it, I'm looking for inflation with an economy that is really, really wounded, may not come back for a very long time. And that is, in essence, the printing press meets the Great Depression. And I'm, if I had to, to take a, a guess on, a, on an outcome a couple years from now, before things get better, that's the environment we see, much higher prices and an economy that, you know, really struggles to get going again. You know, speaking of higher prices, the old saying is buy low and sell high. So one may conclude that it's not a good time to be buying gold right now. Well, not so fast. Andy, what is the Dow-Gold ratio telling investors? Well, we're right at the higher end of the Dow-Gold ratio. Typically, um, when the ratio is five or lower, meaning five ounces of gold by the Dow, uh, you want to sell gold and buy the Dow. Uh, when you are around 15 to 1, 15 ounces of gold buys the Dow, you want to sell the Dow and buy gold. And I think we're very close to that 15, Mark 14, or whatever the number is right now. But um, not only is, is the Dow uh, horrifically overvalued in and of itself, the ratio is telling us, in fact, uh, Bill Bonner does a, um, is fond of this metric. And I remember reading one of his articles not long ago that there have been six times that you should have done this in the last hundred years and they all would have panned out handsomely had you made those trades so one could argue that at this rate you sell gold or excuse me sell the dow and buy gold and so what what it's really telling you is that the dow is overvalued uh, and gold isn't you know if you use that those ratios in the, in the, that uh, perspective of five if you took the price of gold right now and you multiplied it times five it's going to get you nine thousand seven hundred and the dow is close to twenty nine thousand so that really gives you the uh, you've talked about it before, uh, perception and deception, and uh, you see it in the numbers, but you have to know what numbers to look at. And that's what we're here to provide you is the guidance and not to be fooled and deceived by uh, the nefarious uh, tools of the, the Federal Reserve, because that is deception. And we want to make sure that you make the right decisions. Now, if we've convinced you that gold is on sale, let's move on to silver. What is the gold silver ratio telling investors right now? Uh, same thing, really, um, in that we are not at its upper, upper end, like we saw in March of 110 or 20 to 1, which was the, the, the biggest discrepancy in human history. But even still, at 70 to 1, uh, people should be more, much more heavily in silver than in gold. And when I talk about people playing these ratios, the gold-silver ratio, if someone were to be much more heavily invested in silver, to me it is a temporary investment until the ratio normalizes. And when you talk to guys like Keith Newmeyer, who I know you know, he'll tell you that what's coming out of the ground is six to one uh, currently. And when you you know you take a look at silver and the fact that it really is a depleting asset, one that has such massive amount of, of uh, uses in industry. When you see a company like J.P. Morgan amass a billion ounces of it while holding down the paper price, uh, you, there are all sorts of roads uh, signs in the road pointing to that. You know this is really very relevant and very important. And 
some pretty sophisticated people have been holding down the price to corner the physical market. Um, I think that silver is still one of, if not the best investments on the planet. But I would tell you that when that ratio does normalize, uh, you know, in 2011, we saw a 35 to 1 ratio or thereabouts after it being 85 to 1 the year before. So if someone were to put $25,000 into silver today at 70 to 1, if we were to see it do what it did in 2011 and get to 35 to 1, the idea would then be to sell gold or silver rather and buy gold. And that money that would have gone into gold today, but instead went into silver, would be worth twice as much then when that ratio normalizes. And so playing the ratio is really, really, really good. But when we look at the Dow and saying at, at 15, you you know, you, you want to uh, be in, in, in gold, and at five, you want to be in the Dow. Well, here um, in at... 70 or above you want to be in silver and 35 or, or below maybe even 40 you want to be in gold so we're closer to the be in silver side of the equation always always mindful of that ratio and giving us an opportunity to double up the amount of gold we otherwise would be able to get or if someone were to trade 20 ounces of gold for silver at 70 to 1 when the ratio normalizes, you go back, and that twenty ounces turns into forty. It's a it's it's simple and it's brilliant. <laughs> and I I know that uh, a number of your clients, as well as my clients, that are more heavily weighted towards gold, they've been taking advantage of the opportunity before us. Uh, let's get into my favorite metal, platinum. I'm Maurice Jackson of Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we have a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio, from physical delivery of gold, silver, platinum palladium, and rhodium to offshore depositories and precious metal IRAs. Today, I'd like to take an opportunity to share with you the value proposition that I see in platinum. But before we move forward, let's take a step back to three years ago when I was interviewed by Small Cap Power about the value proposition of rhodium at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. Where is the best position for, for investors to be in at the current time? If you're looking at precious metals, you have no allocation at all. I would look at silver and platinum. Mm -hmm. All the precious metals are on sale, but relative to one another, it is silver, it is platinum, and rhodium. If rhodium. you don't have and rhodium, that is Never that is that, that is an unsung hero there, yeah. rhodium. Ladies and gentlemen, at the time of that interview, the price of rhodium was below 1,000. By March of this year, the price of rhodium reached 13,000. That's correct, 13,000. Today, I see the value proposition of platinum equal, if not greater, than I saw in the value proposition of rhodium three years ago. Why? Platinum is industrial, strategic, and precious. How precious? Well, it's 30 times more rare than gold. But I want to focus a little bit more on the industrial component. Being rare doesn't cut it. You must provide utility to have value. The utility that platinum provides is in clean air through catalytic converters in combustible engines, diesel engines, and believe it or not, even more so in fuel cells in electrical cars. To add to the value proposition, 78% of all the world's platinum comes from a very, very unstable region of the world, South Africa, and their cost to extract platinum out of the ground is equal to, if not higher, than the current spot price of platinum. Which is currently trading at uh, half the price of gold right now. What are your thoughts on platinum, sir? 
stupid and expensive. I wish it was easier to get. It's really not very easy to get. Uh, the price is misleading, Maurice, because, you know, I mean, we can get it and we have had it and we are lately having a hard time keeping it in stock. Um, but, you know, the high premiums and the difficulty getting the product with any regularity speaks to me that the physical side is is continuing to stay tight, maybe even get tighter. But if you are a ratio guy, the ratio between gold to platinum is every bit is out of whack. In fact, more so probably uh, than the gold to silver ratio. So the one thing against platinum is that it doesn't have the history as a monetary metal the way that gold and silver does. It's it's more used or viewed as a industrial metal and mostly in catalytics for diesel automobiles. But, you know, when something is so far away from historical price averages, the magneticism is, is pulling us back to the mean every day. So it's got to come back into line. Most of the last hundred years, platinum has been more expensive than gold. So, you know, I think that... Um, I think it's as good of an investment as anything out there right next to silver. And the only reason I slightly have favored silver this whole way up, even though the ratio is every bit as good or better, is that I think silver always does first in these types of situations wear its industrial hat, but before it's all said and done is wearing its monetary hat as well. And people view silver as a substitute for gold, as a monetary metal, not just an industrial metal, whereas platinum is more of a industrial metal and, and an investment, but not so much a monetary metal. So, um, But I do think it's a heck of a value, Maurice, and I'm continuing to buy it myself. So, uh, But to me, truthfully, it comes in third in level in, in my portfolio in terms of volume, to gold and silver. You know, I always share with my clients that I own a little bit of gold, a lot of silver, and a lot of platinum. But to me, the ultimate metal is gold. And the reason I'm buying silver and platinum is because I want to use those ratios as you've expanded upon. We've addressed gold as a great value proposition, but silver and platinum as even better value propositions right now. Uh, let's switch topics here and let's address some questions that we receive from prospective clients. And that is, uh, you know, I often hear... Uh, what is the minimum requirement to purchase from Miles Franklin? No, there isn't a minimum order. Um, you know, it's, it's, we'd like to help anyone we can. So we don't have a minimum order, but I think you would at least have to spend a few hundred dollars to make it worthwhile when you factor in a $15 shipping charge uh, on small orders. So um, no minimum. We work with everyone. And, uh, so whether it be, a uh, million dollars or $150 will work with the client. Absolutely. Every client is important to us. We do not look at you from a, a numerical standpoint. We understand that you're entrusting us with a big responsibility, and we wear that as a badge of honor. Here's the big one. Why aren't your prices listed? I could list prices. I've chosen not to, Maurice, because the minute we took it off, the minute we said call for a price, all the fraud that we had fought for years stopped. And I know it frustrates a lot of people that uh, our prices aren't 
listed, but we'll beat any price. Find a price, we'll match it, we'll beat it, we won't be undersold. And I know it takes another step, but we are old school and analog in a digital world. And I think when you talk about privacy uh, in, in precious metals, to me, deserves to be offline. And uh, it's not a cop-out. I have the ability to turn our online store on again. But when I had it on, we fought with fraud every single day, so much so that they found ways to try to hack our emails, uh, try to uh, do identity theft, try to do mortgage fraud. Um, the list goes on and on and on and on. And every day we were dealing with in many cases, state-sponsored Eastern European professional hackers mm -hmm. trying to, um, you know, find a way to disrupt our business and steal money from us or our clients. So I, I think it is every bit as important to the safety of our clients as it is to us. And uh, for now, I guess I just choose to do things old school, Maurice, and I know we'll lose some people who don't want to pick up the phone and call, but for those that do, I can assure you we'll make it worth your while. And if you find a nationally listed price better, let us know. We'll do our very best to beat it in most cases we can. You know, very responsible words there. I get that question asked to me a number of times. And, and also, one last thing here. We talked about fraud. Somebody who's looking to set up an account with us, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, just give us a call, um, get your questions answered, um, and literally that's it. I mean, when it comes to placing an order, after we've had a discussion, got all the questions answered, we need name, address, phone number, email address, and how they want to pay, regular check, ACH, or wire. Once all those boxes are checked, the order is placed, and uh, if the funds need to clear, uh, after, upon clearing, uh, the uh, client receives UPS insured tracking numbers to follow it all the way in. It's literally that simple. It's as easy of a transaction as there is any longer in a world of decreasing privacy and increasing complexity. This is one of the few simple, straightforward things that still is. Yeah, so just just as a reminder, if you're looking to set up an account with uh, Miles Franklin, all you have to do is give me a call. I'll get your information, find out what you're looking to purchase, and we'll find the best deal for you. But you would not set up your account online. We do that to protect your privacy. Last question regarding uh, questions that we receive from prospective clients. What about credit card payments? Why don't you accept those? Uh, same reason. Just a tremendous amount of identity theft and fraud. And um, it, to me, it's just not worth being on the, other, the wrong side of that, Maurice. And, um, you know, with, with a, a credit card, as an example, someone steals a credit card, does identity theft, they place an order for $5,000, we ship them the product, and then the, the, the charge is disputed due to identity theft. On a $5,000 order, we may make 100 bucks. But the 90-day investigation pulls the $5,000 out of our account while the charge is investigated. So have that happen five, six, seven times a month, ten times a month, whatever, you end up really making it not worth the while. I know there are a lot of companies out there that do it, 
I don't know what their level of fraud is. To me, it's just not worth it. You just open yourself up to to um, identity theft, hacking, fraud, um, and experience tells me that the minute I shut that off, that side of, of, of things just disappeared. So to make my purchase, I can do it with a, a check, a wire, and ACH. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right, sir. Last question for you here. Oh, actually, two. Let me ask you. You know, my favorite one here is, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? I don't know. I don't like the way the things are going in this country. And, um, you know, with, with the success that we've had as a company, um, we have had great success this year, uh, working 15 hours a day, seven days a week. But, you know, there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. And um, the kids going back to school but doing so online. Um, and the, the destruction of the economy right in front of us. And I just don't like the path we're heading down. I think this winter, as we head towards the election, is going to be incredibly bumpy. And I think it's going to come with some very scary things. I live in the epicenter of stupidity and insanity in Minneapolis. And uh, it's been one thing to make it through what has been a really beautiful summer weather-wise. But I can't imagine what it's going to be like here in the northern states come wintertime when the restaurants that are working 20 or 30% capacity hanging on by a thread are forced to shut down and uh, and all of the other establishments that, you know, uh, are just hanging on in, in, a, in the winter, I think most of them will just go by the wayside and I'm very concerned about what things look like uh, over the next few months and so I guess preparation is very important Uh, people forget you know it's just a few months ago in March and April uh, when you know people couldn't find bottled water and toilet paper anywhere Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that was the front edge of the storm And I've been saying recently that I think we're in the eye of the hurricane right now. People have been lulled into a sense of complacency. But uh, I think the trailing edge of the storm is coming. And uh, don't forget that we had the repo market crisis last September before any of this happened. The banks have been hanging on by a thread for the past 10 months. Many of these banks have loans made to companies that are either bankrupt or close to being bankrupt. Um, and don't forget about real estate and commercial real estate and all of the things that uh, are are dependent upon loans and um, credit. These banks are in big trouble. I think we're in trouble as an economy, Maurice. And if anything keeps me up at night, it is that my success will come at the expense of everything around me that I love sitting at a bar watching a Twins game, eating a hamburger and a beer. I can't tell you what I'd pay for that right now, but um, it, it's just, uh, it's it's just, those are the kind of things that, mostly looking through my kids' eyes that uh, keep me up at night above all else. And I'd like to, to be optimistic and hope things, you know, turn around for us sometime soon. But I guess I just can't logically get to that 
point yet. I think we're too far away from seeing anything like what was last year. We're a long ways away from that. And that keeps me up at night more than anything. You know, I'm a vegetarian, and you reference eating the hamburger, but I just find it disgusting that you would want to watch a Twins game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question, sir, and that is, what did I forget to ask? You didn't really forget to ask anything, Maurice. You asked the right questions. There's opportunities in in ratios, and um, there's opportunity in platinum. There's opportunity in silver. There's opportunity to sell Dow and to get on the sidelines before things get really crazy um you asked the right questions you made the right statement well thank you sir and it's a pleasure as always but uh, before we close for someone listening that wants to contact you please share the contact details i can be reached directly at andy at milesfranklin.com that goes right to my cell phone andy at milesfranklin.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter it's free seven days a week at milesfranklin.com on the home page Sign up for our newsletter, and uh, it's a good way to stay in touch and in contact with uh, with what's going on. In the meantime, I wish you and all your listeners, uh, uh, you know, prosperity and health and safety and uh, good fortune moving forward. And if you visit Proven Improbable on the right-hand column, you will see a link for the Miles Franklin newsletter as well. Mr. Sheckman, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Always, Maurice. You take care, buddy. Hope to talk soon. Yes, sir. Take care. The information presented on Proven Improbable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.